Welcome to the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. I'm your host, Dan Lewis. Who is the spiritual leader of your family? Is it you, your pastor, your spouse, the media? Do you know? I did. And sadly, no one was taking responsibility to lead our family. Well, friends, someone needs to take that job, and that man is you. You may not feel qualified, and some days I don't. With the help of God and a community of dads helping each other on their journey, you can be the leader your family deserves. We welcome you to the Journey of the Christian Dad podcast. Jim Adolfson, I am so excited to have you with us today. So excited to have you on the podcast. Uh, you, you can't even imagine. I've been waiting like a little over a year to have you on the podcast. So to have you here today with me and the story that I know you've got to share, I can't wait to share it with everybody to give everybody kind of a bit of a background. Jim, successful entrepreneur, him and I didn't know each other. But we went to high school together at the same exact time. I left that high school after a year. And so we are aware of a lot of the same people. And then we got connected maybe maybe eight years ago. Yeah, right about. Somewhere in there. Jim's just been a great, great friend and uh, really helpful in all kinds of different ways. He's got a lot of life wisdom. And uh, man, just a couple of fantastic stories to share with everybody. And just a great example of a guy, uh, guy on a journey. Guy on a journey. So welcome, Jim. Well, thanks, Dan. I appreciate it. I, I appreciate the kind words. And, uh, you know, it's an honor to be on the podcast. You've had some amazing people on the past ones. And, you know, I feel like a little bit of a neophyte compared to some of the people that you've <laughs> interviewed. But, uh, you know, I, I appreciate being able to be thrown in, the, in that bag of uh, a great guest that you've had so far. So thank you very much for having oh, me. Talk about great guests. That was not the direction of this podcast. It was supposed to go one-on-one -on -one interviews with local business owners that are on the journey, you know, looking to raise their kids right and that kind of a thing. And then COVID came around and absolutely changed the whole thing. And all these great guests just started showing up and falling in my lap, like Cujo uh, Teshner, the number one fighter pilot in the world. And wrote a book, Debrief to Win, and uh, also wrote the manual for all of the military on how to debrief after missions. And, uh, you know, that I'm like, holy cow, dude, like, is that your resume? Like, this is unreal. An incredibly face-based guy. Got to interview a guy just the other day, a guy named John Stange. John, uh, 4 million downloads, and it has a book getting released in May by Penguin Random House. Oh, major awesome. published like so just all these great guys that we've had chris stefanik and on 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 so yeah you is one of my favorites by far you know i we have implemented at my business uh the debrief and yes it, you it, have it, it's been fantastic and my staff just absolutely loves it you know because have a game plan on monday and we talk about successes and failures and what happened throughout the week on friday afternoon and make tweaks and uh, yeah, he, he's just an awesome guy and have had the pleasure of having some conversations with him. And he's just that guy that would do anything, but he's got a great story as well. And, and that, that was, oh, he sure does. Guy. He sure does. Yeah. So you asked me, I don't know, maybe a month ago or so. And you're like, Hey, why don't you get some regular dads on the podcast? Some that maybe weren't the number one fighter pilot in the world. Maybe some that haven't played in the NFL, maybe some that aren't national speakers and so on and so forth. And I was like, dude, that's how this podcast was actually supposed to go was like, and I know I asked you on a long time ago, why don't you come on? Why don't you be? And turns out you're going to be the first guy that doesn't have some like crazy high public success level. Like right. you, not that you don't have success in, 
entrepreneurship and being a great husband and things like that, but correct. Yes. Yeah, no, I get it. And I, I wasn't expecting to be the first guy, you know what I mean? And I think all those guys are great. I don't want to discredit every of them, but sometimes as just the average guy, it's kind of hard to relate to them. You know, they, they have success on such a level that some of us can't even wrap our minds around. Um, and sometimes it's hard to relate on that level. And here, I didn't know I was going to be the first guy that hopefully people are going to relate to, but I, I definitely appreciate it. And I, <laughs> and I hope I can share some wisdom that that's able to help somebody out there in life and in, and in their journey. So. so the interview before you was a guy named uh, Steve Stepanovich. Steve was the Mizzou Center while they were the number one basketball team in the country. And then he went on to play in the NBA. <laughs> I'm, I'm not that guy. <laughs> he got picked fourth in the overall draft of everything. And he was in consideration to be the number one draft pick for the NBA. And so anyway, oh, like, yeah. so that's who was just before you. So <laughs> no big shoes to fill or anything. Yeah. <laughs> I wear a size thing. nine, so I'm sure his foot's probably a little bit bigger. Than that. <laughs> oh yeah, no doubt. No doubt. One day I went bowling with Orlando Pace, the Rams football player. Yeah. And we all showed up and there's a whole bunch of us and he comes, you know, and I'm like, Hey man, because I don't know how to get shoes or bowling ball or, and I'm, I, I just go up and I'm like, Hey man, Get me the biggest shoes you got in the house. Because what size? I, I don't care. I just want the very biggest. And I brought him to him and he gets this ball and he gets the shoes and he tiptoes down the bowling lane and kind of drops the ball into the gutter right off his fingertips. Does that a few times. And I'm like, hey, uh, Orlando. Um, and he meekly and timidly goes, I don't know how to say this, but how do you get your fingers in the ball? It was the biggest <laughs> board out bowling ball there is. And his right. fingers didn't fit. Didn't and fit. He had, I don't know, size 23 shoes, 21 shoes, whatever it was. And those didn't fit either. Oh, cow. Wow. <laughs> so when you're talking about big shoes and blah, 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 it's funny when you actually get to be around the guys with massive size and shoes and stuff like that. So yeah, Steve grew up around, of course, that all of his life. He happened to mention he was not a good basketball player as a freshman in high school. Kind of funny. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> then thing, things took off. So he said coaching made uh, a huge difference in his life. And I know coaching's actually helped you as well. So yeah, tell us a little bit about just sort of your background and whether it's your childhood and growing up and entrepreneurship and wherever you want to take that, like who's Jim? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the baby of six grew up fighting for everything that I could get my hands on from, you know, the, uh, the pizza piece of Emo's pizza that we got pretty regularly on a Friday night, um, you know, to get my hands the first one on the hand-me-downs that were coming down, you know what I mean? Yep. As six kids growing up in the, in the seventies, you know, it, we weren't a poor family, we're a middle-class family, but you know, everything wasn't always new. And so, uh, you know, just did what you could there, raised Catholic, uh, you know, did a lot of the youth sports and PSR and all that good stuff. And then um, as I got older, kind of started, you know, at one point in time, my mom was so excited. I wanted to become a priest, you know, when I was in like fifth and sixth grade and then seventh and eighth grade hit and ninth grade hit. And Jim decided that girls were pretty cute. And so <laughs> <laughs> I think the priest thing went out the window and um, you know, my, I think that broke my mom's heart a little bit, you know, but, <laughs> and maybe at that point yeah yeah I was the yeah I was the last hope of that so uh yeah so that that's pretty funny and then that led me to uh you know 
Vianney High School and, you know, great education, great foundation there of, you know, creating young, successful men in, in the community and still have some strong connections, have a lot of people that came out of there that are entrepreneurs that I know you know and off to college and get off to college and then that first separation I think of religion kind of faded away you know what I mean out away from your mom and dad and all this world that is is your oyster and uh, you know faith just kind of disappeared for quite a quite a long time you know what I mean from probably out of high school, you know, where we regularly attended church throughout the week to, man, nobody to shake it eight o'clock in the morning on a Sunday to get up and go to mass and just kind of drifted away, you know, and that yeah, probably yeah. went on probably till my mid twenties or so after graduation and into my first marriage. And with my first marriage, started reconnecting with God and Jesus and the whole faith thing. Why do you uh, think that was? Why do I think that was? Yeah. My first wife was of faith. My in-laws were of faith. And so just having somebody there to, to encourage and go go with and mm-hmm. talk with and things like that. And that just kind of led, led me, you know, back in, into faith. And, and, and I think uh, Pastor Tim was the pastor uh, to the church that I went to up in Hannibal. Just a very relatable, down to earth, you know, first time I went, it was one of those and I'm going to say this probably a couple times in this journey, but at that time, I felt like he was talking to me the first time I went. Yes, I remember the first time I went back as well. Like, It was like that sermon was meant for me to hear that day. There's a hundred or a thousand people in the church. And how rude of it was for that guy to only talk to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, it, it was somebody I could relate to. I, I felt like uh, his guidance um, was you know, just, just right for me at that time in my life. Um, nice. And so, yeah, that, that was good to, good to go to. So. Was your mom or your dad the reason why the family prayed and went to church and stuff when you were growing up? Um, in, I think in, in both, your, in your spot in the family, maybe your siblings might have a different answer, but just in your experience, what was your. My, yeah, in my spot in my family, being the baby, it was definitely my mom. Still to this day, my mom's 87 years old and still to this day, very devout Catholic. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, my dad, my dad was that way as well, but my dad would probably be the first one, you know, if, hey, we're going to go fishing versus going to church, we were going fishing, you know, mm-hmm. my mom was like, you can fish after church, you yep. know, so yep. I'm still open. Yeah. Yep. So line can still get wet after you talk to Jesus. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it sounds like kind of sim- similar there. You know, my dad was more than happy to go, but it was definitely mom that was the one making things go. So to hear you talk about kind of your background and everything, I'm like, perfectly easy for a guy like with that background, as well as mine. Right. That's what we saw. Yeah. You know, I didn't realize that my mom's dad was actually the one in my spot in life as I grew up. That's not what I saw through their family. And then in my own personal family. So I really thought that's the ticket, get married, find somebody that's got a little bit of faith base about them, and then they'll make things happen. Right. (laughs) And I'll follow. And then, uh, you know, you and I have talked about it, but one Saturday morning, I realized, uh uh-oh, 
I've been understanding this wrong entirely. And if I want my family to go in the right direction, I want my kids to go in the right direction. I want my grandkids to go in the right direction. I got to change this right right now. <laughs> so been a long, long journey and I'm glad I'm still on it. So I'm, I mean, I'm glad you're glad you're with us. Glad you're with us, Jim. Yeah, absolutely. So sorry, kind of sidetracked there on a tangent. So yeah, take it from there. Yeah. So, you know, I, I guess where it went from there was I went through a, a nasty divorce, you know, just one day out of the blue, I thought, I thought I was in this great relationship where everything was fine. We had went to the, I, you know, I can still vividly see that day, that conversation. Um, you know, we had went to, my parents lived at the lake and we had went to the lake for Memorial Day weekend. And I remember us driving home and it, and it was just kind of this weird, awkward silence. And, you know, we got home and I got the whole, I don't love you anymore speech and all this stuff. And I mean, just crushed, you know, like I'm, I'm devastated. I'm in this downward spiral and it, it's just not looking good, you know? And um, we went and we talked to pastor Tim and, you know, I, I thought after that meeting, it was good, but it didn't change. And then we went to counseling and got some horrible, absolutely horrible counseling advice, you know, from somebody that I hope after the letter I wrote does, doesn't counsel people anymore because like the first meeting, she's just like, your wife doesn't love you anymore. Suck it up, move on. And I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> what? Like, that's not what I'm expecting here. I'm expecting somebody to like pat me on the back, tell me it's going to be okay. Like, Hey, you're going to survive this. And, um, you know, I, through, individual counseling with pastor Tim that he was just like, you know, it's okay to be mad at God. He could take it. Um, but I got to a level of mad that I just removed him from my life because I was just so hurt, so devastated, not by him, but by my, you know, now ex-wife and, mm -hmm. you know, it was, it was easy to blame him. Why did you let this happen to me? You know, poor me, poor, poor Jim, you know what I mean? And it's just any guilt from that. Guilt for, for from choosing to remove God from your life? A little bit, but, you know, and in, in talking to other faith leaders past that, they, you know, they kind of just said, hey, it's normal. You can't, it, it was what it was at the time. You got to move on. You can't worry about yes, how, absolutely. how you reacted, you know. But, I, I ask because I hear people say I've had 20, 30, 50 years of guilt and blah, blah, blah. And so we're, we're going to talk forgiveness today for sure. And uh, yeah. I don't want other people listening to this have that 20, 30, 40, 50 year burden on them. So I'm glad you were able to get past the guilt. Yeah, I think I had some really counsel. great, yeah, I had some great advice of, from, some, from some other pastors that said, you know, that's what God's there for. He, he's there. He can take that. Be mad at him. Don't be mad at other people. Like, but, you know, deep down inside, I had this just, this pit of anger and frustration and, you know, what did I do? And, uh, self-doubt and, you know, all that stuff that goes along. Here I am, I'm 32 years old now, had been with this person for nine years through dating in college to marriage, four and a half years of marriage. And then all of a sudden rug ripped out from underneath of you. And like, it was fast, like Memorial Day weekend told that she wants a divorce. And I found out <clears throat> that there was other things going on that I wasn't aware of, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. by, right, by, right. By July 29th of that year, I'm divorced, like papers signed, done, like wow. two months and it's over. Whirlwind. Yeah. You don't even remember yeah. the two months. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like, what the hell just happened, you know? And so you, uh, 
you know, you just kind of pick up and move on in life the best that you can, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Year later or so I met my now uh, wife. Um, it was greatest day of my life. You know, it's uh, one of those things feel bad, the kind of the way it happened. She came to a, her aunt worked for me. She came in for a job interview. Uh, <laughs> I was living with family at the time as I was trying to get my life in order and I had my dog out for a walk and she came in the building and her aunt was outside smoking and I walked up and I was like, (laughs) slaps me on the arm. She's like, that's your interview. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, perfect. Well, I can't hire her. Yeah. (laughs) The handbook says so. Come to find out later when she had pulled up, she goes to her aunt says, who's the hot guy out there walking the dog? (laughs) Oh my goodness. How cool. Her aunt says, that could be your boss. <laughs> <laughs> so, so did you hire her? I hired her. Oh no. <laughs> it worked out though. It worked out. It worked out. It did. It worked out. So, and uh, so, yeah. So 16 years, 16 and a half years later now, and we got a 15 year old son and uh, things are going really, really well. So I love, I love talking marriage and relationship and stuff with you because you really have had some experiences and are able to help me just think and filter and process and just have a a great way about you and a a way of accepting and empathizing and those type things. So, yeah, if, if there's one thing I learned through, you know, what was the darkest time of my day is that, um, you know, it took it took me a long time to even talk about it. Like if somebody would walk up to me and be like, oh, hey, you're divorced, like the tears would just start. Like there was such mm. Mm. pain there that I couldn't even talk to anybody about it. Like and, and you know, that that was a long time. I mean, up until probably almost eight years ago, like even though I was happily that I'm happily married and everything, it it was still just that, that inner, not peace, you know? Yes. There, there was that unrest that was that, that turmoil that was still just in the pit of my stomach. At that time, when you had those feelings, was your wife ever aware that you had those feelings? I don't think so. Not really. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we're guys. Right. And if she did, she never said anything. Yeah. Like it it was, she, she kind of knew like that I was, you know, I had conversations with her about how devastated I was. And I would always tell her like, you know, if I'm ever doing something that makes you want to leave me or even have that thought, please have that conversation with me because I don't want to go through that again. Um, Mm -hmm. And she's like, you're an idiot. Shut up. Like, (laughs) (laughs) right, right. (laughs) you know, but you know, you just have that, that all I was having for, for years, I had that self-doubt that, you know, whatever, like, is, is it going to happen again? Or Yeah. There, I was thinking that same question. I'm like, I was going to ask you, were you thinking, you know, in the back of your mind, is there a, is there yeah. a way out of this thing a, a right. current marriage that you don't yeah. want out of, but look for all the doors and don't see any, you know, right. all brick walls everywhere around. However, yeah, well, I mean, you, you look back, like when we were kids, you never really heard about people getting divorced. You know, that wasn't a common thing. And now it's like, you know, people on four and five and they act like it's no big deal. For me, that was not what I wanted. You know what I mean? Right, so, right. Um, it wasn't a common thing growing up in where we were at. Now, you never knew what went on behind closed doors and how unhappy people might have been. Correct. You know? 
Um, but divorce wasn't what it is today. I mean, it's yeah. like- We grew up in that same time frame, and I had the same experience of it was that generally speaking, people just didn't get divorced. Right. And when, when you heard about it, everybody was like, oh. Yeah, Bill, huge scandal. Billy and Sally got divorced. Like, what happened, you know? And now it's just like, oh, yeah, I'm divorced. It's my ninth one, whatever. Okay. Yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah. So yeah, so for me, it was just- I'll switch carriers, you know, no big deal. I'll find somebody yeah. better. Yeah. Find something different. Yeah, yeah, so- yeah. So you've got a great marriage now and everything. And I know, I think you're about to talk about a major shift, something yeah. that, something that happened. I'm, I'm dying. Like every time I've heard you tell me this story or tell an audience, this story, I just absolutely love it. So I'll try not to interrupt Jim. No, no, I, I hope you do. Um, it, I just, you just saying that I have the chills because I've had so many phone calls of people that have either been told my story or, or have heard me speak about it. Um, and they reach out and they're just like, can you help me? Like, just, just talk to me, you know? And if there's anything that I've learned it's sometimes guys, they just need somebody to just sit back and kind of listen um, because we don't like taking advice, especially love advice or our hurt feeling advice or anything along those lines. Cause we're, we're tough, rugged men. You know what I mean? Um, On top of that, most guys, if you ask them, hey, if you had this situation, who would you go talk to? What guy in your life do you have that you can tell this to? Most of them would say, well, nobody. I, I, got, I got nobody. I can't yeah. even count to one. Right. And, it, and they and, definitely can't count to two on their, you know, so yeah, that's awesome that people have reached out. Yeah. Yeah. I've had people that have heard the story run into somebody and they say, I don't know what to say, but here, talk to this guy. Yeah. And I'll get, hey, Jim, you got a minute? I'm like, oh, yeah, hey, what's going on? I need you to talk to somebody. Awesome. You know, and meeting these random people that I don't know from Adam and having a conversation with them and received some pretty awesome letters saying, I appreciate you taking that phone call. Oh, my gosh. How cool. You know, so that, that, that's, been, that's been pretty awesome out of everything that's happened that I know I can make a difference in somebody's life in a positive manner. Uh, man to man, then, you know, just help them, even if it's just by listening and not saying anything, or just sharing my story. And that sparks them. So, so the story begins, <laughs> right about right about the time you and I first, you know, yeah. really met and got to start knowing each other at Mastermind and Brian McRae. And, you know, uh, Brian was putting on one of his can't even remember the exact name of that first round of like, yeah, accelerate, yeah. jumpstart, I don't remember exactly the name boost of, or whatever. The boost, name that's what it was. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. That, that's the word. It was elusive to me there. So Brian is putting on boost, which is basically an accelerated program to help you get referrals and build your database and, you know, connect with people to help build your business without spending a bunch of money on marketing and just through referrals and treating people right and everything. And Brian challenged us I don't know. It was like an eight week program. And about three or four weeks in, one of the things was write a letter to somebody. And I think Brian's whole thought process, you're going to be writing a letter to somebody you either wanted to do business with or something along those lines. And I decided to write a forgiveness letter to my ex-wife. I've been divorced now for probably 12 years at this point, but I still have that. Hey, Jim, so you're divorced. Yeah. The tears and the anger and the, you know, just you know, comes to mind. And um, so I went home and I write this letter and 
uh, I share with my wife, like, hey, I'm writing this letter. Um, do you have any issues with it? Why do I care? You know, yeah. <laughs> that's what I love about my wife. She's just like, that doesn't bother me. I know, I know you love me. So and I'm like, that's a great, great little thought. If in doubt, ask. Yeah. If in doubt, ask. Apply that anywhere in life. If in doubt, ask. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, there, there's a bad cliche out there that men follow. It's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is permission. Ask for permission, guys. I'm telling you, it makes your life a world of difference better. So yeah. uh, that, that's a funny little guy code that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> we all can say it as a joke, but you know, we all know who wears the pants in the family and that's mama. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I, I write this letter and, um, I share it with Brian and we talk about it and, you know, he's like, how does it make you feel? And I'm like, you know, for the first time in a long time, well, here, let me go back a little bit. So I write it and ask my wife, Hey, do you want to, do you want to read it? She's like, Nope, that's, that's your personal business. Like do what you need to do with it. And you know, we'll, we'll move on down the road. And I'm like, cool. And I remember the day finishing it. And I remember the day, that I was finally got the courage to go put it in the mailbox. Um, and that, that journey from the front door to the mailbox had a pretty decent sized yard at that time. And I felt like it was an eternity <laughs> from the time I pulled the door shut behind me to the time I got over to the mailbox, put it in and raised the flag. And um, I remember coming back in and my wife's like, man, you must've been really excited to put that in there. It's like you sprinted to get it in get in the mailbox because she had been up in our living room and it overlooked and man, I felt like it was the longest journey of my life and <laughs> apparently I was, I was ready to ready to do it um the great, best part of that day is when we laid down in bed that night I just felt like there was this elephant whatever just all all of this emotion was just finally gone and me and my wife were laying there talking about it and she looked at me and she says I can finally love you for the person you're meant to be. <laughs> and I was just like, wow, just, she's like, it, you're just like, something's gone, you know? And God, that made me feel really good, mm. you know, because here I am, I'm married and I'm, I'm in love with my wife today. And I thought I was giving her everything. And I was probably holding back more than I knew I was holding back, protecting myself because you'd have in the back of your mind is, Yes. When's, when's this one going to end? When's this one over with, you know? Right. You know, so I went back and, uh, you know, I shared with Brian that story and he's like, man, Jim, that is, that's just so compelling. Like you can help people with that. And he asked me to be, uh, you know, on a panel um, to talk about Boost and talk about my letter. And uh, for the first time in my life, I was able to have a 20 minute conversation with 250 strangers, you know, 230 strangers, there's 20 people in the room that I know, yeah, you know, yeah. but 230 strangers and not one tear, not one bit of anger, not one anything from uh, you, from me, the audience was shedding tears like crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But at the end of the day, um, I was able to forgive somebody not for her. It was all for me. It was all for me to be a better person in my life because all of that anger and frustration and anxiety and all that that went along with the feelings that I had and I'd been carrying for 10 years 
was finally gone. Like, and I was like, man, what a relief it was. Um, and so I have a lot of people ask me like, hey, did you ever get a response? Nope. Wasn't expecting a response. Didn't care if there was, I, if, if I got one, don't even think I probably would have read it because I didn't want to re-trigger anything. I probably would have thrown it in the shredder and just moved on in my life. Mm-hmm. I never got anything. And I'm okay with that too, because like I said, at the end of the day, it wasn't for her. It was for me. It was all about me at that point in time. I finally realized that I needed to focus on me and moving on with what I needed to do in life. So, yeah, there's something to be said for saying something, writing something and not, or doing something, doing the dishes is the common one I hear. And then expecting what comes after the man does the dishes. Naturally, we're going to get rewarded in some way, shape or form, but just not having the expectation that something wonderful or magical or negatives could just whatever you need to do, do it, have the conversation, write the letter, do the dishes, whatever it is. And then something's going to happen after that, or maybe nothing like, but without having that expectation. So trading appreciation for expectation um, has just made my life so, so much better. I still get trapped by expectation and right. I look out for that. So um, that's amazing. I, I would have thought if I wrote a momentous letter like that and had the courage to mail it, I think mine might've gone in the fireplace or fire pit. Yeah. Hey yeah. God, take this from me. I'm, I'm good. Um, but you actually had the courage to mail it. And I would have had at, at the stage of my life, you know, where the age you were when you sent that, the maturity I had, I would have, I would have absolutely expected something. Yeah. Well, it turns out something happened just not from, not from your ex-wife. It happened within your, your own self and that forgiveness and able to get rid of those feelings of guilt and shame, I think is one of them. And the the tears aren't there anymore. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I'm a, uh, I'm a, I'm an empathy crier. You start crying, I'm probably going to start having to hold back tears and to be able to sit in front of a room. And like you said, like all these strangers that I don't, I don't know, you know, like I said, I know, I, I know two dozen people in the room that I, I know, like, I feel like I really know. And then everybody else out there at that time. And I know a lot more of those people now a lot better, but to look out and to see all these tears and to not want to cry myself, I was finally like, what is it that I'm saying that's resonating with these people? is making them cry and everything. And I had people, I mean, for 30 minutes after that meeting, I stood up front and I had a line of people. Line of people. Like, I talk to you. I'm not this huge author. I'm not this, I'm nobody, I'm, I'm Jim Adelson. Like, just, yeah, I'm just a guy. Right. And I got this line of people just coming up and ladies saying, hey, I just want to give you a hug. That's what I was going to say. I'm like, <laughs> I know I was in that line and I just wanted to give you a hug. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm like, God, this is, it, it, it just made me feel so awesome. But then what really made me feel good is I had like five people that day, two females and three males that came up to me and said, I'm going to write a letter because of you. Wow. And I said, awesome. Who are you going to write it to? And one lady was, she had a falling out with her son and they hadn't talked in like 10 years. Ugh. And she wrote a letter and I seen her, I don't know, six, seven months later. And she's like, we're, we're reconnected. We got together at Christmas and like, we're on the mend and thank oh, you. Wow. Uh, another lady was, um, 
she went through a bad divorce. Her husband had cheated on her. She, she was like me. She had all of this emotion that she was never able to let out and decided to let it out in the form of a letter, but not let it out. She wrote a letter of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, seen her again and she's like, man, Jim, I can't thank you enough. Like she, she just had this smile on her face that before it was like almost a forced fake smile. And now it was like this genuine smile because she had like, she was just able to move on. You know, it's so crazy when somebody just runs up to you with excitement and says, you changed my life. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause that's what I'm, I'm once again, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm not a sports guy, you know, I'm yeah. not famous. I'm just, I'm just this guy that told a story about what had happened to me in life. And to see that was awesome. And then, you know, the guys were kind of the same way. They were more like me. They, they went through a divorce that they didn't want. And, you know, the whole, I don't love you anymore. Or you've gained weight. You're not the same person, blah, 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 blah. Same way. I mean, they walk up to me and they have tears in their eyes and, that's when the tears came to my eyes. Yes. I'm like, I'm bringing these grown ass men to tears. And I'm like, <laughs> I, that was, that wasn't my intention, but I, I touched something with inside them that um, made them want to make a difference in their life moving forward. And, and for that, I'm always grateful, um, you know, and, and that's been the cool thing about it. It doesn't happen all the time, but you know, you know, Brian McRae is connected in a lot of groups. And I remember him yeah. and I don't want to say anybody's names other than, you know, Brian's right. at this group and he calls me up and says, Hey, Jim, I got Bill. Bill needs to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, cool. Brian, like what's going on with Bill? He's like, I'll let Bill tell you. And, you know, Bill gets on the phone and he, and he starts off with this on this journey. And he says, you know, my ex-wife this, and she's wanting that, and blah, 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 yeah. blah, 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 and I just kind of sat there for five, ten minutes as he went, and I said, man, Bill, you need to forgive her, and he's like, why would I want to forgive her, and blah, 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 I said, Bill, how long have you been divorced? Five years, I said, man, Bill, you're angry, dude, don't forgive her for her, forgive her for you, buddy, yes, and he's like, it was just the silence for like two minutes. And, you know, I kind of hear, I'm like, you there, Bill? You know, and I can tell, you know, the, the quivery voice and stuff. And he's like, yeah. And we just kind of talked through that. And I told him my story and he's like, yep, you're yeah. right. You're right. Yeah, We've, I, we've I all got to- somebody in our life right now that we can picture. That yeah. To hear that message right there that you delivered for him. Yeah. Yeah. But this guy was so angry after five years and <clears throat> like I was, ang- you know, I don't know. I, I don't think I was that way. I was angry. I was, but I, I internalized everything. Yeah, right. Right. You know, like I didn't go out. I wasn't hateful towards my now wife or, or son mm-hmm. or other people. I was just, I had this internal anger and here I seen somebody that was, it was very blatant. Like it's right here. Grr, I'm mad. And, I'm going to tell everybody what a horrible person she is and, you know, is over child support and all this other stuff. And I'm like, man, what effect is this having on your children? You you want to talk about a spiritual leader and is that what your kids see every time they see you? Or is that what Mm -hmm. those kids hear every weekend they're with you? Or like, 
that's that's not a road that you want to be going right. down. Right, you know? right. You know, uh, you start touching these people from these standpoints of man, you're 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 angry or whatever. And and then I, I ran across other people that were probably a lot like me. Everything was internalized. You know, I had a guy walk up to me one time and says, "Hey, everybody tells me at this group that I need to talk to you." And it's you know it's at Mastermind, and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." What do you want to talk about? And I can just I can see the tears forming in their eye, and you know, I'm just like, "I don't know you, but I'm going to give you a hug right now, and then we're going to talk about it." You know, and yeah. we'd go grab coffee or something, and you know, just the same thing, you know, all of a sudden I came home one day and my wife says, blah, blah, blah. And, and here I am. And I feel like my world's spinning out of control. And, you know, so this just happened to a good friend of ours. Wife says, Hey, we're moving. We got to go back, you know, back home. Right. Like, Oh, cool. And then right after they signed the papers on the house they were buying, she says, Hey, by the way, this one's mine. It's not yours. Go away. He's like, what? <laughs> Yeah. We just uprooted our family. I'm like, oh my gosh. So yeah, this stuff had zero clue. So yeah, just like you're saying, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's crazy. And, and, you know, throughout all that, you, you go in and out of your spirituality with God and Jesus and, you know, you point your anger at them and, you know, the whole why this and why that. And so, you know, when I, when I got divorced, like, I didn't have room for God in my life. Mm -hmm. Didn't want anything to do with him. He, he did this to me. How dare him, mm -hmm. you know? And it, we all know that that was just missed. You know, I get, I guess that's where I pushed out my frustration instead of at other people. I pushed it out at God. And, you know, that's where yeah. Pastor Tim said, you know, he, he can take it, but that's a good person to push it out on and deflect onto instead of doing it to, members or your family or your children or your ex or you know whatever um, but I let it go too far you know to a point where I was just like yeah you know I don't need that in my life you know and right. then and and then my son was born um, you know and you start getting these different perspectives on, on life and you know we decide to put him into a Lutheran school um, and this is where it kind of gets interesting. So, you know, the, uh, he's going to mass every day and he says, Hey dad, how come we don't go to mass on Sunday? All my oh. friends go. And I'm like, no, no, buddy, let, let, like, we can start doing that. You know? So we, we look into starting to go and, you know, uh, being raised Catholic and my wife was of a Christian faith uh, where he was going to a Lutheran school. So we needed to convert. And so we went through the classes and converted to Lutheran. And I think my mom's brain's going. Oh, yeah. yeah she's ready to excommunicate Jimbo. Yep. We're Catholic, you know. And I call and I talk to my dad and he says, yeah, that's awesome. You're going back to the family roots. And I said, what? He says, your grandfather was raised Lutheran and he, com he converted to Catholicism because of uh, your grandma. And they wanted to get married in the Catholic church. And I'm like, Oh, hey, cool. This is, I, I kind of felt pretty good. Like, okay, I'm, I'm participating in the faith now that my grandfather was prior to him meeting my grandma. And I, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we, we were good there for quite a long time. And, you know, my son decided at first grade, he came to me and we, we never baptized him because we weren't of, of, of a faith when he was born. 
Uh, and so I was just kind of like, you know, when, when he gets there, I seen a lot of friends that had kids and, you know, at 10, 11, 12, that's when they decided that they wanted to be baptized and, you know, mm-hmm. join their faith. And so I thought it was kind of cool. At first grade, he comes to me and says, dad, I think I want to be baptized. And I'm like, you know, that made me feel really good. Cause I was like, yeah, yeah I didn't know when to do it, but like, it was a decision that he made when I, and I thought that was really cool. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And so, uh, you know, he got baptized and, and that was cool. And, and we did really good, uh, in, in that church for a long time. And then a lot of crazy stuff started going on with people within the church and a lot of stuff that I don't want to get into here. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. It's a church that I really consider going back to. Um, but at at the time things just got like, needless to say, people aren't always perfect and we sin sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) That messes stuff up. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And so, uh, yeah, so I, I've, I've continued my faith, not always in, um, in an establishment. Um, but it's definitely there, you know, like I was telling you, like Jeff Coffrin sent me this book uh, a while back and, um, you know, it's something I read every Jesus morning. calling devotional for those that aren't watching the play-by-play here. For oh those yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Which is up. a fantastic yeah. devotional. That lady, uh, she just writes so like day to day and you can hear God's voice through her. And it's amazing. I, I love that devotional and I've got so many copies and given so many copies of those away and there's different versions of it. And I'm like, Oh, it's this one's in green. I'll buy the green one. Same words on the inside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I eat that one up. Sarah young, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So, uh, you know, that's just kind of led me to where I am now where I, I feel like my life is full and, you know, heading in the right direction. And, um, you know, there's challenges every day in life that, that we face. And, um, you know, I think through the school of hard knocks that I've been, I, I kind of have a, a different approach to things now. I'm, I'm quicker to forgive and let things go. And, um, you know, there's, we all have things that we always need to work on, you know what I mean? But I, I, I think if we can start recognizing them sooner, um, and figuring out a way and not being afraid to talk to other people. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're, you and I are in a group where we have yeah. 10 other people in there with us that I feel like I could pick up the phone and call, well, 11 other people with our fearless leader. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I feel like I could pick up the phone and if I had struggle with anything, they'd be there for me in a heartbeat. You know, um, before you and I jumped on this podcast today, you know, I had sent out a, a bunch of boxers and, um, you know, my phone's sitting here dinging like crazy with, with responses from people in that group that had either reached out to me or that I hadn't reached out to in a couple of days. And, you know, as I was reading my morning devotional, I was just like, ah, that made me think of. Yeah. And, and so I sent the Voxer out and, you know, the Voxers are coming back and, it, and it's just this constant encouragement. And, you know, there's um, men and ladies in that group. Um, and, I think it's so awesome the conversations as men that we can have with each other in that group and there nobody looks at you like you're weak or you're this or you're that it's yeah that's a key guys that have a great great relationship and pick up the phone and have a conversation and if you know we you and I have shared stuff with each other about marriages and Uh you know challenges and you know I I feel like we've helped each other just kind of just by listening yeah, yeah. Not even yeah, any absolutely. great advice, just 
you know, listen. And then, you know, we, I think we always give each other solid advice, but sometimes it's just, uh, he said it, you can just see the change. In, in yes. Able to Often that's to all I need is just to throw it out there and, you know, filter through it. Yeah. Hey, what do you yes. need? Nothing now. I'm good now. Yeah. <laughs> just need to say it. And so, you know, if there's anybody out there that's listening, I, I would just encourage you to find that one friend that you can have that relationship with uh, and have those conversations and, and don't look at them. Don't judge them. Just be there for them, man. The, the world's a crazy enough place. We all have our own struggles, our own mm-hmm. inner demons and everything that we deal with on all the time. Um, you know, am I telling you not to rib your buddy every once in a while? No, I'm not telling you that. Cause we all need that. And that's what, Oh makes- yeah, we got to have that. Got to have fun. Yeah, that what, that's what makes life fun. Um, but, you know, sometimes when somebody calls you up and needs something serious, yeah, make, make time for them, you know, because there's, sure. there's nothing more, you know, you, you see the, the suicide rate and, yeah, you know, the, the addiction rate and everything right now, especially with the crazy pandemic and everything going through mm-hmm. the roof. I just, I just want to encourage people out there to, you know, be there, be there for your fellow man and, you know, just, just give him the time of day and, you, Even if it's just your ear, just just listen for a little bit. Oh yeah, that's such a key thing. And developing those relationships where you're you're a person that gets that phone call, like that's really really cool. Yeah. So you mentioned the devotional and how you shot a few things out to quite a few people this morning as you were thinking about them. So it's funny, I did the same thing this morning. James five sixteen was this morning. Therefore, confess your sins to each other, and pray for each other, so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I'm like, boom, three things. Like these are all individually so powerful. Right. And so you, you talked a lot about forgiveness. Um, have you got any thoughts on asking for an apology? The uh, kind of the, the other direction? Oh, wow. You know, that's a good one. Not, no. not asking for one from somebody else, but gi- you giving one, I, I should say. Yeah, you know, um, I, I I think it's kind of along the same way. Um, you know, I I think that whole forgiveness thing has got me to realize sometimes, you know, we can be judgmental of others, um, and and I think it's kind of the same way. I can I can think of one example where you know, I said some things in angst um, and in quickness, um, and I and I as soon as I did, I quickly reached back out and said, uh, that, that was like wrong of me to say, I shouldn't have said that. Um, yeah. and I apologize. And, um, yeah, it, it, it's kind of goes along with that in that same mindset. Once, once you get there, you start recognizing things quicker. Are you going to be hundred percent perfect? None of us are. We're, yeah. we're always going to, there's always going to be a, a trigger that gets us to do something, say something, react in some way. Um, I think, as men, we got to be able to recognize when we're wrong and we got to be able to step up and say, Hey man, I'm sorry. Yeah. I think most people will, would stick their hand out and accept that apology and, and move on. Um, and hopefully they're of the forgiving type on the other side. Yeah. And, yeah. And that, that gives you healing and gives them some healing. And so, uh, you mentioned a couple of things. So I was thinking pride. So we, don't ask for, or we don't give an apology because we're prideful. We're right. 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 Um, 
I know you read the the book. Uh, it was the Big Leap, I think. Yep. Hundred percent apology. No but. No blame. No just if Israel and Egypt came to the table and Israel or Egypt said, "Hey, listen, last couple thousand years, that's me. It's my people. We did it. Yeah, we'll, we'll take it. We screwed up. How can we move on from here?" As opposed to, "Hey, we're mostly in the blame, but you also." The parking lot accidents. Ah, kind of both of us did some stuff. It's not really my fault. Yeah. Kind of faking the way through it. So that pride and ego um, can get in the way. And then the second you mentioned blind spots, just not knowing, just not being aware. Uh, Maybe having people in your life to say, hey, Jim, man, (laughs) I don't know if you saw what happened there. Yeah, I totally saw it. Like, why? (laughs) Yeah. Well, here's what we saw. Oh, got it. Got it. Yeah, there is something there. I, I, I need to do something. I'll, I'll be a man and I'll step up. I'll, I'll take ownership of what I did. I know I've, I've had times like that in my life where people said, hey, did you notice that? Yeah, it was great, wasn't it? <laughs> well, not to the other person. Right. Not to the other person. So, yeah. Um, and, I, and I think in our marriage, that is, is the, the place where we should start first. Um, I apologize fast there. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, it's tough, you know, you, you're, you're devoted with somebody, you're around them 24 seven, sleep in the same bed with them. And, you know, sometimes you get aggravated over something. And Man, one of the biggest things is don't ever go to bed angry, like roll over, give an apology, a meaningful apology, not an apology, because you're expecting to get something in return for it. But kiss on the forehead and put your head down on your pillow at night, and have a good night's rest, because you're not stewing over who did the dishes or who didn't do the dishes or whatever else it is out there. You know, we work with our kids and I forget the analogy. I think it's star and I forget what that stands for. I'm sure we can all Google it and find it, but we work with our kids on a, um, as opposed to I'm sorry for what, (laughs) you know, feel remorse in what you're saying. And then, uh, uh, you know, affirm to not do it again. And, you know, throw a step out there about what you'll do in the future so that you don't fall on that one again. Um, kind of the same thing when you're confessing to God, hey man, I, I, I goofed up. I know you'll forgive me, but here's what I'm working through. And I, I really don't want to do that one again. Like, so I, I focus on, focus with my two daughters and man, yesterday, one of them just was snipping at mom. And this is something when we're around with our kids, and I, I fell blame. I let mom take care of herself for quite a long time. And I didn't jump in and intercede for her. And just in the last couple of years, I really learned that discipline side where I need to step in and protect and discipline. And so first time I let it go, second time was very quick after that. And I just reached over and snatched, didn't snatch it, but I firmly allowed her to know she was going to let go of that tablet and it was going away. Right. Dad, I want my tablet. I know, and you'll get it back. When? I don't know that answer. That one's up to you to help us figure this out. Right. And I, I got rid of it. And, um, you know, we had a full conversation about it. I'm like, if you can come up with an idea of how to rectify that, you know, it's simple. Apologize. She knew what it was. Right. And absolutely refused to do it. And then she, had, but dad, I got a 10 o'clock thing and I need to use it to be on with the class and all that stuff. Oh, do you? That. Sounds like a tough one. We only got five minutes to figure this out. Yeah. And I understand if you can't figure it out by five minutes, I believe in you. 
However, if you can't figure this out, I'm okay holding on to your tablet. I understand you're going to miss your thing, but I'm okay with that. Dad, no. Well, it's not up to me. All right, I'll go apologize. All right. When I come up in a couple of minutes, I want mom to tell me it was a real one. Came up like, hey, honey, Holly talked to you. Oh, yeah, she apologized. Yeah, she really apologized. It made me feel better. Boom. Here's your tablet. Right. So, yeah, that forgiveness and, and being quick to apologize when you know you, you wrong somebody is so, so critical and key. Yeah, I think you're doing a good job teaching them, teaching your daughters at a young age about that, too, because, you know, I can think back as a kid being forced to apologize for something that I still to this day probably think I was right in a, in a stupid argument with one of my siblings, but there was, an, a, forced, a, there was a forced apology. And it wasn't an apology with any meaning behind it. I did mm-hmm. it because I wanted to get out of trouble. Mm-hmm. But back in my day, there was no, hey, let's sit down and talk about it. It's you either apologize or you're getting your butt whooped. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was, a, it was a forced apology that had no meaning behind it. So, um, you know, I would encourage the other man out there, especially with your spouse, like when you give an apology, make it meaningful. You know what I mean? And the flowers and all that other stuff. They're, they're great, but when the apology is real, you don't need any of that stuff. You yes. Know? It can yes. come from the heart. So, but. so have you got any, uh, any tips for dads that maybe has come along? Uh, maybe it deals with forgiveness or apologies or any of that, or maybe it's just something different or a funny story about hockey. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, you know, that, that, those are, that's a great question, Dan. And, you know, I would just encourage everybody to, you know, I have a son and I've told my son from the first night I brought him home from the hospital every night that I love him. He's going to be 16 years old next month. He comes in my room every night if I'm not out and about because I'm going to be 50 in February. So I'm starting to go to bed a little bit earlier than what I normally do. And, uh, you know, he comes in my room if I'm not in his room and gives me a hug and gives me a kiss on the cheek and tells me that he loves me. And I tell him that I love him um, because I think I was probably... 35 years old before I ever remember my father telling me that he loved me. And I think there is nothing more important than encouraging your kids to share um, your love for each other. I mean, life's short, like you don't have it forever. Um, You know, is my kid going to come in my room when I'm 18, when he's 18 and tell me that he loves me? I hope so, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. And so that's great. Just, just encourage your kids to, to be respectful of the other members of the family, respectful of the mother, especially, um, and, and teach them how to treat people and the forgiveness and and the apology, Mm -hmm. because it's going to do, that's going to do greater things for them in, in life and relationships down the road than, you know, I think anything else that you could really teach them. And because to me, those are two huge key things. Um, and I, and I think if they can recognize that and they, and they have the love and support um, of the family. And it, it's not a, a shameful thing to tell somebody out loud that you love them. You know, I, I, I think that's just going to give some great guidance in life and uh, the, the mental and emotional support that they need. So mm, that is that is fantastic. So there's a guy named Blake Brewer. He's got the Legacy Letter Challenge. He, his mission is to write a million or help a million dads write letters to their kids. 
And in that letter, he wants three things to be there. Love, I love you. I'm proud of you. And I believe in you. So the three things kids ask as they get older is, does dad love me? Is he proud of me? And does he believe in me? So you nailed it right there. And I was talking to uh, that John Stange, who wrote the book that uh, Penguin House is releasing, and he's a pastor and counselor and everything else. And I said, have you got any advice? And his advice was, love your wife. Have that great relationship there. And if you guys can be a team and model the behaviors, the kids follow. And then you'll, you'll do a great job there also. But, you know, start with God, you know, use the right order, God, wife, kids. He goes, love your wife well, and things will go, go pretty well. So, man, great, great, great advice. So we always like to end with a challenge. So I, th- I think without asking you to come up with a challenge, I think you already threw it out there. Guys, r- write a letter, write a letter, write a letter to somebody that you love that um, you need to tell or write a letter of forgiveness to somebody that you need to forgive or write a letter of apology. And maybe it's both forgiveness and apology. Um, don't put a, but in it, I apologize, but leave that out of it, but write a meaningful letter that revolves around love, forgiveness, or an apology. If you're brave, like Jim, you can get some bonus points and actually put it in the mail or hand it to somebody. Uh, if you're in, you know, a different, different spot, throw it in the fireplace, drop it in the shredder. Uh, we got a shredder at the office swing by, (laughs) (laughs) but just, just the exercise of writing that letter and, uh, and letting those emotions go or go to somebody in the case of love, man, that can unlock so much. And in Jim's story, the ripple effect just keeps going and going and going. And now it's on a podcast, which now is lasting for eternity. So whenever I want to point somebody to forgiveness, and just drop them right here and have them listen to this conversation and listen to Jim, another real guy, not a superstar in my mind. He is, but uh, to the world that he's not known for NBA basketball or NFL or baseball or any of that stuff. Maybe, maybe his son, Caleb will be known for star hockey player someday. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, Dan. I, I'm, I'm going to challenge you guys. If you take the time to write the letter, don't burn it and don't shred it, mail it. Because as much as you need it, the person on the other end probably needs it more. So, you know, that, that would be my challenge. I, I, I love that. But drop that sucker in the mail, man. I, it, it's going to do you good and it's going to do somebody else probably even more good. So, yeah. Uh, so I love it. I appreciate the opportunity, Dan. This has been awesome. Um, you know, I, 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 I won't lie. I was a little nervous when you came to me and said, Hey, do you want to be on this? I had to be like, wow, am, am I ready, ready to share this where, like you just said, and you just said it, it's out there forever now, forever, but, but I'm <laughs> forever. <laughs> uh, but, uh, I am, uh, I'm excited. I, I hope that this really resonates with some of your listeners and, and it challenges them to do some great things out there in life. And, uh, man, if any of you guys are out there and you, you need an ear, you know, Dan has my contact information. If you don't have that one person, I'll be that one person for you. Um, and, and I'll do whatever I can to help you become a better person um, because I know the difference that it made in my life. And, and I hope that I can, I can be that light for somebody. 
Ooh, wow. What an offer. That is fantastic. And I'll be glad to share Jim's number with anybody that reaches out to me. Glad, glad to do so. Glad to do so. And Jim, I, I just want to thank you. Appreciate you. And, you know, it did take some courage and it's, I wasn't sure if you're going to have to take a deep breath before we started or not. So kind of funny hearing you say that I was wondering, and then it's just been awesome seeing you over the last year in, in your personal journey and you like, just stepping up in so many different areas of life and stepping up to lead your family to greater levels uh, with your own spirituality and faith and, you know, reading a daily devotional and being the leader there, spreading the, the, the joy and the message to the world, which is what we're all called to do. So it's awesome. I love it. I love it. I love it. And thank you. No, again, thank you. It has been a real honor. And like I said, the other guests that you've had on before me, I, I hope I can uh, hold, hold a small stick up against them and be able to help somebody and encourage somebody to, you know, to, to make a difference in their life and in their family. And uh, I, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity on, on such a great platform. So thank you very much. You're welcome. My pleasure. My pleasure. Write your letter, guys. Get on the journey. I'll see you. Thanks, Jim. Bye-bye. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. Thank you guys for being a light. Shine that light out and let others see it. With you guys, part of this community, it helps me be accountable to you guys. It helps me be accountable to myself, be accountable to God and Jesus. I hope you appreciated this episode and picked up some great things. hope you like the challenge and hope you can execute on that challenge this week. I ask of you, please subscribe, share the show with others. Join us inside of the Journey of a Christian Dad on Facebook, inside our private community. Share that community with others. Have your buddies join. Have other dads that are looking to grow in their faith, grow as spiritual leaders of their family. As we engage in our journey and be intentional with it, we can help others grow theirs as well. We thank you again for listening. We thank you for all your reviews. Look forward to reading a review of yours on a future show. So, dear God, Thanks for blessing all of us, and thanks for drawing us closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Have fun, guys.